verse 10 of 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Well, let's begin with verse 9. For we are laborers together with God. You are God's husbandry. You are God's building. According to the grace of God, which is given unto me. As a wise master builder or architect. I have laid the foundation. And another buildeth thereon, but let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon. For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. I've entitled this message, Jesus Christ, the Foundation. I don't believe I would get an argument from anyone if I said that there's not a more significant verse of Scripture in all the Bible than this verse that I've just read. Jesus Christ, the Foundation. Paul was not being arrogant to call himself the wise master builder. You see, he said, according to the grace given to me. You see, Paul was taken up into the third heavens and taught the gospel directly by the Lord Jesus Christ. And he makes no claim of arrogance when he calls himself this wise master builder. And here's the foundation that he laid, Jesus Christ. I love the simplicity of that. Jesus Christ. He is the foundation. Jesus. I love his name. I love his name. I love the verse of scripture, Matthew chapter 1, verse 21. The angel announced to Joseph, thou shalt call his name Jesus. For he shall save his people from their sins. That's what I need. I need to be saved from my sins. And here we have this promise. He shall save his people, the elect, from their sins. Jesus. Don't you love his name? I love the way his name sounds. I cringe when someone uses his name in a reverent manner. I Suppose that every time we use his name, there is a sense in which we take it in vain because we don't use the proper reverence. But how we love his name, Jesus. And I love his name, Christ. 
That's not his given name. That means he is the Messiah. He is God's anointed. He's God's anointed prophet. He's God's anointed priest. And he's God's anointed king. That's what the Christ means. He's the prophet. He's the priest. He's the king. And don't let this pass you by. He's, what's a prophet? He brings the word of God. And the Lord Jesus Christ is like no other prophet because not one, because not one time did he ever say, thus saith the Lord. He said, I say unto you. There is the word of absolute authority. I say unto you. He's God's priest. He's the priest after the order of Melchizedek. He's like no other priest. Every other priest brings a sacrificial animal. He brings his own blood into the very presence of God. Not only is he the priest, he is the sacrifice. Not only is he the sacrifice, he's the altar upon which his humanity is the altar upon which the sacrifice was slain. What a priest. He's God's king. And he's like no earthly king. All earthly kings have borrowed power. Delegated power. In reality, they have no power at all. He has all power because of who he is. He is king of kings and lord of lords. He's like no other king. I love it when Pilate said to him, don't you know I have power to crucify you and I have power to release you? And he said, you could have no power at all over me. You're in my hands. I'm not in your hands. When they came to arrest him, whom seek ye, Jesus of Nazareth, I am, they fell backwards, forced back. By divine power. He's the king. He's no victim. He controls everything. Jesus Christ. What a name. Jesus the Christ. He is the foundation. Now when Paul said he laid this foundation, he didn't mean that he laid it. <laughs> he meant he was used by God to tell us this is the foundation that God laid. He said in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19, the household of God was built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself. I like saying that. Jesus Christ himself. He is the foundation that the writers of the scripture have spoken of, the apostles and the prophets, Jesus Christ himself, the same one who by himself purged our sins. No help from me and you, no help from any creature. He did this by himself and thank God he got the job done. Everybody he died for, their sins are purged away.
Jesus Christ himself is the foundation, is the chief cornerstone. God the Father laid this foundation. Now, what's the most important part of the building? Everybody in here knows the answer to that, if you know anything. The foundation. Uh, what will happen if you don't have a good foundation? The house is going to go down. That which can't be seen. This is so significant. That which can't be seen is the most important part of the building. Turn with me to Isaiah chapter 28. Isaiah chapter 28, beginning in verse 14. Wherefore, hear the word of the Lord, ye scornful men that rule the people which is in Jerusalem, because you have said, we've made a covenant with death, and with hell we're in agreement. When the overflowing scourge shall pass through, it shall not come nigh unto us. We're okay. We've made this covenant. Now, any covenant you've made, you're in trouble. My only hope is the covenant he made. Not some covenant I make. The covenant that he made. And look what the prophet says about these men who had such confidence. For we have made lies our refuge. And under falsehood have we hid ourselves. Therefore, thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I lay in Zion, the church. For a foundation, a stone, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. He that believeth, Shall not make haste. Now let's think about what the prophet tells us with regard to this foundation that God has laid. It's laid in Zion, the church. Glorious things of thee are spoken, Zion, city of our God. This is the foundation of the church. This is the foundation of every believer. God calls him a stone, a Tried stone. Now I love to think about the Lord being a tried stone. Tested stone. If you're on this foundation, the law is going to test you. And if you're on this foundation, God's holy law will say with regard to you, I find no fault in him. This is how powerful this foundation is. If you're on this foundation, you stand before the law of God without sin. Think about that for just a moment. A precious cornerstone tried. Not only was this stone tried by the law, this stone was tried by Satan. And you know what he said? The Lord said, the prince of this world has come and he's found nothing in me. How much could he find in you right now? But with regard to the Lord Jesus Christ, 
he found nothing. Remember when he tried to tempt him? If you're the son of God. Oh, he was the son of God, but the devil was trying to call that into question. If you're the son of God, command these stones that they may make bread. Prove it. I love his reply. It is written. That's the best reply, isn't it? It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So the devil takes him to the pinnacle and says, if you're the son of God, prove it. Throw yourself off. The scripture says, and he quotes a scripture. That's what the devil uses. He quotes a scripture. The scripture says, he'll give his angels charge over thee, lest you dash your foot against the stone. Prove it. It is written, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. This is not up for debate. He is the Son of God. Well, if you're the Son of God, bow down to me. All these kingdoms I'll give you. Get thee behind me, Satan. Thou shalt worship the Lord God, and him only shalt thou serve. Oh, he was tried by Satan. He said, The prince of this world has come. He found nothing in me. He was tried by men. He could say, which of you can convince me of sin? He's tried by his people. And they have found him an absolutely trustworthy Savior. He was tried by his father. The scripture says, yet learned he obedience by the things that he suffered. And he became the author of eternal salvation. Though he were a son, the son of the father, yet learned he obedience by the things he suffered. He's a tried stone, tried in every respect and found to be Perfect, And I love what is said next with regard to him in the 16th verse of Isaiah. He's a precious cornerstone. Precious. You know, we read in the scriptures of the precious promises of God. This is a, you know, when we, when we talk about, oh, that, that's precious. Well, let's be... Let's go with what the scripture says is precious right now. I know when you see a little baby and I understand it, oh, how precious and so on. And that's normal. I realize that. But he is precious. He is precious. The precious promises of him, all the promises of God in him are yea and amen. Is that precious? His precious blood it's precious because of whose it is it's precious because what his blood accomplished his blood accomplished the full glorification of God the blood of Jesus Christ the death of Christ I love saying this it's the most godlike thing God ever did what he accomplished in the shedding of his blood the full manifestation of the character of God every attribute of God displayed his justice his holiness his righteousness 
God's glorified and he completely saved his people. When he said it is finished, the salvation of every one of his people were accomplished. We read of like precious faith. I love that, don't you? You know, everybody's faith is alike. It's like. Believers have the same faith. They look to Christ only. Don't believers believe differently? No. No. They look to Christ only. Every single one of them. And it's precious. It's the gift of God. It's precious in its object. Its object is the Lord Jesus Christ. Like precious faith. And I love the scripture in verse Peter chapter 2, verse 7. says, unto you that believe, he is precious. To you that believe, he is precious. A precious cornerstone. And he says next, a sure foundation. Oh, this foundation is so utterly and completely sure. And I think the best scripture that, uh, that would demonstrate what he means by sure foundation is David, his dying words. These be the last words of David. He says, although my house be not so with God, yet hath he made with me an everlasting covenant, ordered in all things, and, you know the next word? Sure. This is that sure foundation. And David went on to say, this is all my salvation and all my desire. Now, this is the foundation uh, that God has laid, a stone, a precious stone, a tried stone, a sure foundation. And look at this last statement in verse 16. He that believeth shall not make haste. Now, several other versions give uh, this. He that believeth shall not panic. I kind of like that. <laughs> he that believeth shall not panic. But don't you love those scriptures? Paul combines uh, uh, several scriptures from Isaiah for this whosoever believeth shall not be ashamed and be put to shame. It comes out of here. But I want you to think about this. If you believe the gospel, Number one, you're not going to be ashamed of the gospel you believe. Matter of fact, you're going to be proud of it. It's a gospel that glorifies God. It's a gospel that gives him all the glory. It's a gospel that gives you peace and assurance. You know that you don't need anything other than Christ. You're not ashamed of that. I... I am proud of the gospel we believe. I'm not proud of myself. I'm ashamed of myself every second of my life. There's not a time when I'm not where I don't do that. Everything I do is a letdown. But I'm not ashamed of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Not only am I not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, here's the promise, whosoever believeth in him shall not be put to shame. When I stand before God on judgment day, I'm going to hold my head high and I'm going to hear those words, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Because if Jesus Christ did well, I did too. I'm in him. 
He is my righteousness. And I won't be put to shame. You know, when people uh, talk about, uh, I, I saw recently where somebody uh, was speaking of what they call the beam of judgment, where all the believers' works will be judged and you'll uh, be uh, rewarded according to how obedient you've been on earth or you'll be uh, lose things but according to how disobedient you've been on earth. And, and I heard a preacher say this. He said, now, he said, I know that sounds bad and you might think of things that you'll be ashamed of, but then you won't be ashamed of them. I said, I would. I don't believe that for a second, but I'm going to stand before God without guilt with nothing to be ashamed of. No skeletons in my closet if Jesus Christ died for me. I stand before God not ashamed and not put to shame. <laughs> to him that worketh not but believeth on him that justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. Now, Jesus Christ is the foundation. Jesus Christ himself is the Foundation. Now, would you turn with me for a moment to Hebrews chapter 6? Here's what that means. Hebrews chapter 6. I would say most religious people would say, Amen. I believe Jesus Christ is the foundation until they find out what it means. Now, let's look at Hebrews chapter 6, verse 1. Therefore, leaving the principles, the ABCs, the fundamentals of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on unto perfection, maturity, not laying again the foundation. Now, what happens if you have to lay the foundation again? The superstructure never goes up, does it? And here's what the writer to the Hebrews is warning of, laying the foundation again. Now, he's talking about the ABCs, the fundamental truths of the gospel. Now, if Jesus Christ is the foundation. We don't want to lay this foundation again. And he names six things. Now, here is the foundation that must not have, be laid over and over again. Number one, repentance from dead works. Number two, faith toward God. Number three, the doctrine of baptisms. Number four, the laying on of hands. Number five, the resurrection of the dead. And number six, of eternal judgment. Now, this is what you are grounded in if you ever and if I ever understand that Jesus Christ is the foundation. Now, remember, this is not, this is not a, a theological. Uh, what? This is the ABCs. This is the basic truth of the gospel. This foundation can't be laid again. It has to be laid on. Number one, repentance from dead works. If you believe Jesus Christ is the foundation, you repent of any work that was contrary to that and see it as nothing more than a dead work, no salvation in it. Have you ever repented of dead works? Now, if Jesus Christ is your foundation, you repent of everything that's contrary to him being the only foundation. Now, the next thing he mentions is, the, uh, is faith. 
toward God. Now that's faith. Yes, faith toward God. It's faith toward Jesus Christ as God. You know, everybody believes he's a man. He's God. The God-man. You trust him as the God-man or you don't trust him at all. Faith toward God. And thirdly, he mentions the doctrine of baptisms. The doctrine of baptisms. Now, baptism, what's the doctrine? We, I know what the act is. The act is going under the water and coming back up. That's, it, the word means immerse. You go under the water, you come back up. What is the doctrine of that? It's not just a meaningless religious ritual. The doctrine of baptisms is this. Jesus Christ is salvation when he lived I was in him. When he kept the law, I kept the law. When he died, I was in him. When he made sin payment, I was in him. When he was raised from the dead, I was in him. And that is all my salvation. He is the very foundation of my salvation, being in him. That's what the doctrine of baptism is. That's why baptism is so important. It, we see the gospel in this. This is Jesus Christ, the foundation. My foundation being saved is being in him. And then he speaks of the doctrine of the laying on of hands. Now, what is that? Is that some preacher laying hands on somebody and then they fall backwards and uh, uh, whatever the foolish things people do with that? Or, or is that uh, even uh, men laying hands on another man and now he's ordained and we... Uh, we no. Leviticus chapter 16, we read of the high priest laying his hands on the head of the scapegoat. And the sins of Israel were transferred to that scapegoat. And the doctrine of the laying on of hands is the doctrine of the transference of sin and the transference of righteousness. My sin was transferred to him. He bore it in his own body on the tree and put it away. And his righteousness is given to me. That's the doctrine of the laying on of hands. And then he speaks of the resurrection of the dead. This is part of Christ being the foundation. You see, in his Death and bodily resurrection. He was delivered for our offenses. He was raised again for our justification. The um, spiritual resurrection in the new birth. And you hath he quickened, given life to, who were dead in trespasses and sins. And then that final resurrection that's going to happen one of these days. Even so come Lord Jesus. We look forward to that, don't we? And then... The last thing he mentions is eternal judgment. And that word eternal is so important. Everything God does is eternal. He's not bound by space or time. Christ is called the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. And he's the lamb raised from the foundation of the world. Everything God does is eternal. He saved us. He called us with a holy calling. Not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which were given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. Now, this is the foundation. If Jesus Christ is my foundation, 
I know something about repentance from dead works. A change of mind. That's what repentance means, a change of mind. I've changed my mind about those works. I formerly thought they were good. Now I see they're dead. Faith toward God. Jesus Christ is God. That's the foundation. The doctrine of baptisms, union with Christ, laying on of hands, him taking my sin, him giving me his righteousness, resurrection, and eternal judgment. Now, the, sure of, the sureness of this foundation is founded in God's knowledge. Now, let me give you a scripture for that. 2 Timothy 2.19 says, The foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal, the Lord knoweth them that are his. As a matter of fact, turn there so you can read this for yourself. 2 Timothy chapter 2. Sometimes it's better to read it with our eyeballs than to just hear it quoted. 2 Timothy chapter 2. Verse 19, nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure. No cracks in this foundation. It can't be moved. Having this seal, the Lord knoweth them that are his. Let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. doesn't say the Lord knows who we are. It says the Lord knoweth them that are his. Now, the foundation of my salvation is not my knowledge of him. It's his knowledge of me. Did uh, Paul say anything less in Galatians chapter 4 verse 9 when he said, Now that you've known God or rather are known of God. How turn you again to these weak and beggarly elements? Here's my, here's what I'm relying on. His knowledge of me. The Lord Jesus Christ said, I know my sheep and am known of mine. Other sheep I have which are not of this fold, them also I must bring. And there shall be one fold and one shepherd. The foundation of his knowledge of me. He knows me. So that when I use his name, I'm not name dropping. He knows me. Now turn with me to Luke chapter 6. This is also in Matthew chapter 7. But this is such an important passage of Scripture, Luke chapter 6, beginning in verse 46. Why call ye me Lord, Lord? You know, the repetition of the name speaks of uh, intimacy. Lord, Lord, you know me. You know me. As a matter of fact, hold your finger there and turn to Matthew chapter 7. Verse 
Verse 21, not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father, which is in heaven. Many, not just a few, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, you know us. I mean, remember, have we not prophesied in your name? In your name have we not cast out devils? And in your name have we not done many wonderful works? <coughs> then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Remember, our hope is his, him knowing us. He said, I never knew you. He knew who they were. He knew their names. But he never knew them. Not in the sense of this intimate love that he has to his people. I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Now back to Luke chapter 6. Whosoever, verse 47. He said, why well, call you me Lord, Lord, and uh, try to impress people with your intimacy with me, and do not the things which I say. And whosoever cometh to me and heareth my sayings and doeth them, I will show you to whom he's like. Now, let me pause for just a moment. Remember where he said, Not everyone that saith to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the heaven, the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. What is this doing of his will? That's the important question. Our Lord said in John chapter 6, verse 29, This is the work of God, that you believe on him whom he hath sent. Now you can talk about doing the will of God all you want. This is doing the will of God. Trusting Christ only. Nothing more, nothing less, nothing else. Trusting Christ only. That's the person who does the will of God. Now, like we read in that other passage of Scripture, those people thought they'd done the will of God. What are you talking about? I preached in your name. I've cast out demons in your name. Many works of power. <laughs> in your name I've done many wonderful works. What do you mean I didn't do your will? Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. You never did the one work of believing on me. That's what he's saying. Now let's go on reading back in Luke chapter 6. Here's the man that hears my sayings and doeth them. Here's what he's like. I will show you to whom he's like. Don't you, aren't you thankful the Lord said that? I'll show you who this man is. I'll show you exactly what he's like. He's like a man which built an house and digged deep and laid the foundation on a rock. The bedrock, the unmovable rock, Jesus Christ himself, the foundation that God laid, the foundation that no man could lay. God laid this foundation. Are you on the rock? 
I want you to ponder that. Can you say my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness? I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ, the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. Are you on the rock? You're looking nowhere but Christ only. You know, the hardest thing in the world to do, as a matter of fact, this is impossible unless God gives you the grace to. Look to Christ only. Look nowhere else. Don't look to your experience. Don't look to your works. Don't look to your doctrinal understanding. Look to Christ only. Well, he built his house on a rock, and when the flood arose and the stream beat vehemently upon the house, you're going to have stuff that's going to happen. Difficult things. The winds are going to blow. The rain is going to come down. The floods are going to come up. You're going to have trials come down from heaven that you don't have any idea right now about. You're going to have, you're going to have trouble from within, your own evil heart. You're, life's hard. Life's hard. Life's difficult. There's, there's, there's just difficult stuff. But if you're founded on the rock, all this stuff's going to come down on you and the house is going to stand. It's going to stand. On judgment day, it's going to stand. Verse 49, but he that heareth and doeth not is like a man that without a foundation built a house upon the earth against which the streams did beat vehemently and immediately it fell and the ruin of that house was great. The wise man looks to Christ alone, but what about this foolish man? He did a very foolish thing. He built a house without a foundation. I'm sure it went up quicker. He didn't have to go through the foundation work. Perhaps it was a beautiful uh, building. He had more money to spend on it since he didn't spend on the foundation. And it looked good. And he was very happy in this house. And he thought, look at my fine house. Then the storms come. And the winds blow. And it's not on a foundation. And it falls. And great was the fall of that house. Everybody in that house, and I hope I say this with a broken heart, but everybody in that house went to hell. Everybody in the house with foundation, they're in glory. Perfectly conformed to the image of Christ. Everybody on the house without this foundation, Jesus Christ himself, went to hell. Now I want to ask you, I want to ask myself, is my house on the foundation? The foundation that God laid didn't have anything to do with me doing this. It's the foundation God laid. 
And all of my hope of salvation is in Jesus Christ alone. Now, if that is the foundation that you have, everything that's going to come your way in this life is all good. No matter how bad it is, it's still under the umbrella of all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. And you're going to be brought into heaven. And if you're not on this foundation, nothing is good, no matter how good it may appear, and you will not be in heaven. Other foundation can no man lay than that which is laid, Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Lord, how we thank you that you've laid thy son as the very foundation of our salvation. And Lord, by your spirit, cause each one of us to find no other foundation but him. Give us the grace by faith to rely on him as our salvation and look nowhere else. And Lord, we we know that that is above the strength and energy of the flesh. We'll walk out of this room not doing this unless you give us the grace to do this. Lord, we ask that you do it for Christ's sake. In his name we pray.